you know, sort of sharing a story with you guys that unless you are uh, a close friend of mine or part of my community group, um, you probably wouldn't know this because it's quite personal and something that uh, is, you know, something that I've gone through over the past couple of years. So um, just to give you some context, about two years ago, right, kind of when uh, COVID started, um, I've been working at the place that I'm still at for about five years, and we went through a, a massive transition where we were sold. And so there was a lot of initial uncertainty of, about what was sort of going to go on. And then, you know, after about a year, things kind of remained steady. And then all of a sudden, all of these new uh, people started coming in, and all of the existing people started going out. And I found that uh, the, at a certain point that all of these changes were being made, and I was like, I was the guy in, in exile. Like, I felt like I was completely out of place. And couple that with the whole fact that uh, COVID was going on. Uh, if you know me, I'm an extreme extrovert. I love to be around people. And we, were not able, we weren't able to do that during COVID. And so it was a difficult time for me. And then couple that with everything that was going on at work, um, I started to struggle with fear. And I didn't know what to do. This thing had gripped me to the point where um, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I mean, I think I lost maybe like 15 to 20 pounds. Obviously, I've gained most of that back, plus a bit more, so God is doing something significant <laughs> in my life, which is good. But this um, extreme amount of stress that I was experiencing almost crippled me. It impacted almost everything that uh, I, I could do. And I'm relatively a high-capacity person, so to be in a situation where um, I was dealing with this fear of the unknown like this thing that sort of came over me, which was really, really odd, was that, um, man, if I move away from this job, I'm not qualified. This is the way I was thinking. I'm not qualified to go out and get the same job and get the same amount of pay, and then I'm not going to be able to support my family. That's how I was thinking. And this fear gripped me. And so it got to the point where I was like, okay, maybe something's wrong with me physically. Like, I, I didn't really know what was going, because this is extremely foreign to me. I went to the doctor, got blood work done, everything came back clear, and then I went back for a follow-up, and he says, you know, he asked me a, a number of questions about what was going with home and with work, and I explained, he says, uh, I think you're dealing with a high amount of stress, often known as anxiety. I was like, nah, no way. That, no, no. And I was like, yeah. I'm dealing with this high amount of anxiety. And I had to come home and now reconcile this thing inside of me where I know me, and that was not me. And I didn't know what to do with it. And it got to the point where I started to be so fearful about my finances that although I was fearful about losing my job and going and getting, not being able to get a job that paid the same, I started contacting my old employers who I have great relationships with and said, hey, do you got a spot for me? I'll take a pay cut and come back just to get out of the stress. I was completely contradicting myself. But that's sort of the place that I was in and I didn't know what to do. And so during this course of time, I mean, I was, again, not in a surrounding that was familiar because I was with my family, which was great. That was the best part of COVID, spending more time with, with my family. But I wasn't spending time with people outside of that in a way that I was used to. And so this thing just kind of gripped me, and I had to start dealing with God, and I couldn't break out of this funk. Didn't matter how much I prayed, it didn't matter how much I worshipped or how much I was in the Word, there was something deep-rooted inside of me that obviously I was not aware of. And so, you know, obviously I can look back now because 
you know, um, things have changed. And I will come back to this story sort of near the end of the message today. But I was just like, you know, God, what is it about me that has caused me not to trust and be faithful to you? So, guys, I'm just being vulnerable with you. Just telling you where I'm at. Like, who, who, anybody, you guys are part, some of you guys are part of our SGT. That's another thing we didn't plug today, was our uh, Seeking Jesus Together um, tribes, right? I, I just made that word up. I don't know if that's the right word. But <laughs> couldn't think of the right word. That's kind of sounds good. But uh, A number of us uh, over the past, some of us for the last nine months and some of us over the last couple of months, we're a part of a um, sort of a, dis- a discipleship group where we're using this devotional tool to help us, A, uh, be in the scripture and spend personal time with God aside from study. And then a, a part of that, we, um, we get together uh, on a semi-regular basis to meet uh, and get together. And uh, we have these discussions together about, you know, sort of other what's going on in our lives or what we are seeing in the word. So uh, our group that I'm in, we met today. So this is what messes things up. When you do meetings like that and you're preparing for a message and everything starts blending together. So we, today we met, who's done week two? Just to show up, who's done their week two? Thanks, Chris, I appreciate it. You're in my group. Thanks, Brett. I see that hand. Okay. So if you haven't done it, I'm going to give you a bit of insight. By the way, you should book your week two, just for the record. We're way behind. Um, so week two is, if you, in, your, in your devotional journal, there is, I'm going to butcher the name because it probably is Wheel of Emotions, but the... Uh, uh, or emotions wheel. It's probably the wheel of emotions sounds a lot more dramatic, so I'm just going to go with that. So part of what we do is we get together, and part of the, 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 this uh, exercise today was to look at the 10 emotions within the center of the, the wheel of emotions and uh, talk about, you know, what are the things that you're most relate to now and what are the things that you're not aware of. So imagine, a bu- you know, four or five guys getting together and having this wheel of emotions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will have to say I'm proud of our guys. Guys, I'm proud of her. Like we, I think we did a really good job of uh, sharing our emotions and sharing where we're at. Um, but out of that comes, you know, vulnerability. And it, I, I will tell you, we, there were some things that came up today. It's vulnerable. That's what we get to do when we're in intimacy with people. Um, I'm going to steal this. I was just doing some bit of research on, on SJT. So this is not mine at all, but it's going to sound really cool. So we should probably take, take it. Um, is it's really made up of three things, three things, uh, which in acronym is DNA, right? Discipleship, nurturing, and accountability. It's tight, right? It's good. So that's what we did today. And I will tell you that having to work through um, the, this anxiety that I was dealing with, I wasn't able to get through that just on my own, reading the word of God, not being able to see people in person like I normally would, uh, worshiping or prayer. It didn't, it didn't work. Well, what did help me through that is every Thursday night on our Zoom call with our community group, being vulnerable, vulnerable enough to talk through it and share and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. Guys, I need you to pray for me. And that helped me get through a season in my life that I was completely not ready for, unexpected, and I didn't know what to do. But I still had to reconcile with this whole idea that there was something inside of Justin that was not being faithful to God. And that was a very, very hard thing for me to reconcile. Because I was, had to figure out where did this gap come from, right? I spent time in the Word regularly. I prayed sometimes, probably not as consistently as I should. And I was, never had an issue with 
my, between my, my finances and how I dealt with them with God. And somehow there was a crack in the armor that allowed fear to come in and grip me. And when we look through this book of Daniel, right, there's not a, if, if you have been in church for a long time, there are some things I'm going to share today that aren't going to be new to you because they're like famous, like the most famous Bible stories. But there are some things in there that we can see that we can pull from, I think, that can be very helpful and applicable to us to be able to, A, start off our church season, right, on the right foot and help us work through some things that maybe my story can help you guys if you're in a situation where maybe you feel like you're in a, in a, in a state where you're not used to or you may see something on the horizon that's coming. So we really do see two themes uh, you know, that I pulled out personally from in addition to what this video says. One is we see the sovereignty of God and we see the faithfulness of God's people. And often what I do, and I don't know if this is you, but when we look at the, at the story, it's easy for us sometimes to look and say, yeah, I'm like, David is like my, my so David is my favorite Bible character, right? And I can look at David's messes and I probably associate better with David's messes not to that, don't take that the wrong way. Just <laughs> make sure I put some context around that. My wife and kids are in the back. It's, we're good, babe. It's all, it's all good. Um, but the fact that he messes up, but also that he had a heart after God, because that's just, I want to be that, like that. I want to be a man that has a heart after God. But if I have a heart that's after God, should I have these type of gaps in my armor? I mean, okay, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. I get it. But it still was something that, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time and I never experienced anything like this in my life. When that doctor said the word anxiety, I was like in complete denial. That could never happen to me. I mean, I actually, he prescribed me sleeping pills. Like that sounds ridiculous. It really does. I, and guys, I'm just being honest with you. I barely took them, but there was a couple of times I took half a pill and it was great. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. So we look at the book of Daniel, and, and again, just to bring some context, context in and to not repeat uh, you know, too much of sort of what has brought us to this place. So you know, um, back in Jeremiah, which is a few books ago, Jeremiah prophesies because of the children of Israel, because of their disobedience, God is going to allow uh, Babylon to destroy Jerusalem and take them captive. So we see, uh, as Ryan sort of shared last week, some of that story where that comes in. And, uh, you know, David and his three friends, Dan, what did I say? I said David, yeah, Daniel, and we're gonna, we're, I'm going gonna, gonna to stick with their Hebrew names for Daniel, but I'm totally going to go to their uh, Babylonian names for uh, the other guys, because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like those are some pretty legit names, I like them. If you are uh, a parent in here, VeggieTales? Or a child. Or a child, yeah, sure. Rock, thank you, Rockshock and Benny. So for the purpose of this sermon, if I use the term Rockshock and Benny, I am referring to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because it just sounds a lot better and it's easier to say three times fast. So Daniel and these three guys are in captivity now because, uh, again, because of disobedience, uh, Babylon has gone not just into Jerusalem to destroy it, or to take captive, they destroy it. And they're there for a year, and after that year, they take captives. And so Daniel and uh, Rakshak and Benny are now in exile, and they're in Babylon. 
And what's amazing, and I just thinking of the story, like I can't imagine what it would be like to be pulled from your home, okay? You're taken to another place. And in the prophecy from Jeremiah, he says, actually, I'm telling you this is what's going to happen, but when you get there, I don't just want you to go and rebel against it. I actually want you to settle in. Build a house, till the land, but do not go and worship other gods. Okay? So when I look at these guys and when we look at some of the stories that we're going to just touch base on in chapters 2 and in chapters 3 specifically, like Daniel was one of my favorite characters, or David was one of my favorite characters, but these guys, there is a level of confidence and faithfulness that they have in God that I don't think I've seen before in the Bible. It is absolutely incredible. And we look at some of the ways that they talk, it's like almost arrogant in a way. And it's like, but it's an arrogance that's like, that's a godly arrogance. I'm not sure if that's a thing or not, but a godly arrogance where you can say, it doesn't matter what you do, I'm not, I'm not wavering from this. And so, if you could, turn to Daniel 1, 17, uh, chapter 1. I'm going to read three verses from chapter uh, 1 and verse 17 to 20. Just to give you some context on, because when we talk about God's sovereignty, which I mentioned is one of the themes here, we do see really God do this. Because God allowed Jerusalem to be destroyed. Okay, He allows that to happen, obviously because of disobedience. And one of the things, Brian, I loved about what you said last week is this tension between justice and love. Okay, it was, it, was, it was really, really good. right? The fact that we have a loving God who can also be just at the same time, as a matter of fact, you cannot separate the two. right? There is going to be consequences for disobedience, 100%. I'm sure we have all experienced it in one way, shape, or form in our life. Okay, But one of the amazing things that we see, going back to the book of Ezekiel, it was in the video from last week, and Ryan sort of referenced it. Even though we see the presence of God being removed from the temple. But it says he is, his, the presence leaves, but he does not abandon his people. And he actually goes into exile with them. Like, guys, what kind of a God do we serve? Like, think about the songs that we sang today. Think about the cross. Think about, this is, again, before the cross. And God is saying, it doesn't matter how disobedient you are. You are my kids and even though this is the justice I'm bringing on you because of your disobedience, I want to assure you that even though you are not faithful to me, I will always be faithful to you, no matter what. So the one thing that we, God is never not faithful. Okay? Never not faithful. And when I look back at my journey over the last couple of years as I was experiencing uh, this fear and anxiety, I can look back 100% and I can say it doesn't matter what I felt towards God or what I didn't trust or whether I was not faithful or not. There was never a moment where I can say I felt that God abandoned me and I could never say that God was not faithful to me. And I will circle back to this when I tell you sort of where things are today. Verse 17 says this, as for the four youths, so Daniel is young, these guys are young, they're noble, God has favor on their lives, and we see that as we go through this course, as you'll see. God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, that's the king at the time, King Nebs. <laughs> and the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. This is their Hebrew names. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, 
He found them 10 times better than all of the magicians, the enchanters that were in all of the kingdom. See, God allows these things to happen, but he also equips us to go into these places that he is either allowing us to go into or allowing people to pull us into. Right? The reality is we live in this world that is completely broken. We know that. Right? There are obviously many things around us. But it doesn't matter where we find ourselves. We are the ones that move, but God doesn't. What I mean is he's completely stable, and wherever we are, he's there. Always. And it is just an amazing truth that I really believe we all need to have a greater revelation on if we are going to move forward and see the gospel really spread to where God is calling us to go, which is our communities, right? Uh, uh, you know, one of the things, you probably didn't see me a lot during the summer, for those of you here regularly. Uh, one of those reasons is because my kids play rep sports and we were uh, really busy with baseball, just conflicts. And one of the things we have always said is that um, we want to be able to use the time away from church to build relationships with the people that we are uh, hanging out with outside of that. And so we have some friendships that we've developed. And uh, some, it's, it's just a small world sometimes. Like the, the other day, I was chatting with a mom. And actually, no, that's not even how it started. We were playing baseball with a church team a couple weeks ago. And I recognize this dude on the other team. And I've seen him for like the last couple of years. And then I'm like, oh, man, I've seen that guy at the baseball diamond. I'm like, oh, that's so-and-so's dad. So we're, we're during the game, and I go up to him, and I said, you're so-and-so. He's like, yeah. He's like, you're Prasad, right? I'm like, yeah. So he kind of thought who I was or whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm like, just so you know, like in church baseball, there's no guarantees or signs that people are churchgoers, Christ followers or not. There's just no, just so you guys understand that. So you just don't know, right, whether people are Christians or not. So I thought, okay, this is a good opportunity for us to kind of figure out who they are and see if we can connect. So then the week later, I met his wife through somebody else, and we start chatting yesterday at, a, at, a, at a, one of the tryouts, and we're like, okay. Um, we start asking questions, and I'm like, you're who? And you used to work where? Oh, my brother used to work there. My brother used to work with uh, youth, uh, what, what? Youth, yes, where Danny works. And she's like, oh, I wonder why I recognized your name and your voice. So this connection. And then we start talking, and then we start asking questions. Okay, well, we have church in common. And as a matter of fact, we have God in common. These guys are Christians. And so we start this great conversation, and there's another family that's there with us that we have both befriended that we would love to see come out to church sometime. And one of them is a friend of Marcus's. Hey, bud. And so we start talking about different opportunities and how we can get the kids together to get into a program. So there are these things. Now, one thing I will admit to we have a tribe the tri- that's supposed to be happening right now, and this is a stupid thing for me, and I, and I don't even know why it happened. But somebody said, oh, you won't be there tomorrow? And I'm like, no, we have a family thing. That was my first response. So Leslie Johnson says, no, we have church tomorrow and you're preaching. <laughs> and I was like, why did I, why did I not lead with that? It's a, com- it's a complete open door for me to share with somebody that, A, we're churchgoers, and B, that's a priority for us and not anything else. So thanks, babe, for showing me up. It really. So God is sovereign. He puts us in places, but he also brings his presence with us everywhere that we go. What I learned, and the lesson that I'm trying to share with you right now is that even though God's presence is with us, it doesn't mean we, can do, we, we always do every, anything with it. Right? So we do have a great responsibility to recognize when God puts us in situations 
to really be good representation of, of who he is. And we see that with these guys, with Daniel, with Rakshak and Benny. And we see them here, and you know, we get into the, uh, chapter 2, and what happens is uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, right? We saw it in the video. He doesn't know what it is. He actually puts out this decree and says, I want you to pull all the magicians, all of the uh, whatever they are, all these people who do like, these crazy things, and I want you to get them to come and interpret this dream. And anyone who can't, and if they can't interpret the dream, I want you to tear them limb from limb. He doesn't say I want them dead. He says, I want you to tear them limb from limb. That's what it says in, in the scripture. So this word goes out, and it gets to Daniel eventually, and we've already read it within here, that God has given him some favor to interpret dreams and visions. So Daniel says, uh, yeah, sure, I can sort of come, but I've got a couple of conditions. Um, I will come and help out, but before, uh, the other people who said they can't do it, you've got to spare their lives. So Daniel, before he even goes and interprets this dream for Nebuchadnezzar, he intercedes on behalf of the people. We may have seen this before a few times in the through line of this story that we've seen all the way from Genesis to now. Right? Abraham, Sodom, and Gomorrah. I think we've seen it before. Right? So we see this symbolism and all these connection points that happen all the way from where we started to where we are now and where we will go over the next, however long it takes us to get to the end. <laughs> so Daniel comes and interprets this dream. Right? And... King Nebuchadnezzar is like, oh, this is amazing. Like, that's exactly, you're 100% right on the button. He says, your God, says this in Daniel 2.47, the king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods, the Lord of kings, the revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. So King Nebuchadnezzar, who has now plundered and destroyed Jerusalem, taking these guys into exile, God shows up through Daniel, and Nebuchadnezzar, acknowledges and says, yeah, your God is the real God. Guess what happens next? Your God is the true God, so I'm going to go and interpret your dream. I'm going to build this uh, statue that you're going to worship. Now, remember I said earlier, we're, it's a lot easier for us to identify with the people like Daniel, our heroes of the, of the faith. This is one of those times I kind of looked, and I'm like, I just might be like Nebuchadnezzar where God is right in front of us, he shows up exactly the time that we need him, but we have all of these other idols and gods that we have put before him. Children of Israel, all the way through, right? But we're really not much different, are we? We're not. I really didn't want to take much time today to um, get too deep into the latter part of what happens between 7 and 12. We saw it sort of in the video. Um, you can go back and look at it. But, you know, basically, just to kind of touch on it quickly, um, you know, Daniel starts having these visions and dreams on his own, as we see. Takes an angel to kind of interpret. And really what it reveals is, you know, when are they going to get saved from, from Babylon? And of course, Daniel pleads with God and says, I want it to happen now. And then you see the multiplication. No, don't worry. I know I said 70 years, but because of your continued disobedience, it's going to be 70 times 7. So another 490 years. So deal with that. Now, the great thing is we can look far ahead now and we can say, you know, we are recipients 
of our continued disobedience, but Christ has not withheld anything. God is not, the Father has not withheld anything from us. We are still recipients of the fact that Jesus took our sin and went to the cross and died so that we could have, again, access to the Father and live in the promised land that we will eventually get to once we, um, you know, go, go to be with Jesus. We will live with the tension of the kingdom here and the kingdom not yet while we're on this earth, and we do have a responsibility that we need to play while, while, while we're here. But I, I, I want to circle back a bit to um, this very famous story in the Bible about the fiery furnace. It, who, who, who doesn't know that story? No, don't show your hands. It's okay. It's fine. It's not embarrassing anybody. But if you've been in church long enough, you know this story. And it's an incredible story of two things. A, God's protection and faithfulness to us, of course, which we've already talked about. But this relentless faithfulness that these three guys, somehow Daniel gets left out of this. I'm not quite sure how that happens. There's, it's a bit weird. But these three guys uh, are in this furnace. So I, you know, in chapter 2, of course, Nebuchadnezzar erects this statue. And the command and decree that goes out to all of the people are that anyone that is in this land, you, at the sound of the horn, the lyre, and all of these other instruments, you are required to bow down and worship this statue. So I think it's probably the best way to do this is to kind of go through and actually read this story because there's a couple of things that when you see it that will jump out at you and it's just like, I want to be like these guys. I want to have the faithfulness and the faith in God and trust in God to do what these guys did. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 8. I'm going to skip the first part of it and kind of read through because there's a bit of reading here. Starts in verse 8 and says, Therefore, that time certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. They're sucking up here. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, I don't want to hear that type of stuff, but <laughs> shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province. So by this time, uh, because I didn't touch on it, uh, but you saw in the video as well, not only did Daniel get promoted to a very high place, as a matter of fact, Daniel was promoted to the place that he oversaw the entire province of Babylon and oversaw all of the wise men, not the three wise men, but all of the wisest people within Babylon. Sound familiar? Joseph? Very, right? Like we see all of this imagery all the way through and all these connection points. So he says, yeah, sure, I'll take that position and I want Rakshak and Benny to come with me. So they get promoted into high places. And what happens is the Babylonians see these outsiders, these exiles, that are getting promoted to these high places because of their God, and they become extremely jealous, right? So they want to rat them out. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego he be brought. So he brought these men before the king. And the king answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready... When you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, and all the other instruments, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, 
well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? What's funny about this passage to me is that a chapter ago, when Daniel interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the guy talking right now, he says, oh, your God is the God of gods. And now he is saying, oh, I got a bigger challenge for you. Who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? So you see, like what always amazes me is that, so Nebuchadnezzar is here and he acknowledges the fact that this is the God of gods, but he has no willingness to submit his life to him. Not yet anyway. We actually do see it later on in the book, which is quite amazing. Rakshak and Beni answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that have been set up. Who in here has that kind of faith? I don't, and I haven't, and I've proven that to you in some of my stories. But who wants that level of faith and that level of commitment and faithfulness and trust in the God that we call Because I think if I asked any of you, who is the God of gods in your life? We would all say Yahweh. I think, as far as the people that I know well in here. But is he the God of gods in our lives? Because if he is, I think our lives look different. I think our neighborhoods look different. I think our schools look different. I think our workplaces look different. And I think church looks different. Guys, I'm not saying that we are, not, this isn't about what we're lacking. I'm just trying to get us to a place where we encourage us and recognize that there is more, there is much more to what we have been exposed to and what we've experienced because I think we trust more. And I'll speak, when I say this, when I say we, I'm really saying me. That we trust in ourselves more than we trust in the God who saves us. We do. Because we can be fearful of our finances. We can be fearful over fear. We can be fearful over our marriages and our kids. And God has put us in a place where he has said, just trust me. Just trust me. I promise you I will take care of it. I promise you that. We see it all through scripture. We see it, again, if we, if we do a New Testament study, again, we're going to see it a lot there. But we see God and Jesus, we see it from the beginning of Genesis 1. We have seen it all the way through. And we have all heard these messages up until now. And I keep going back and asking my question, why am I missing out? Why am I not trusting God in the way that I know I need to trust him? Because I know that my life would be so much, I'm not sure easier is the right word, but it certainly would be a lot better. Because these guys were okay going through a fiery furnace without compromising their faith, without saying, I'm busy tonight, and not saying the reason is because I'm going to church and I'm the guy preaching. I was convicted of that in that moment. I was. And I don't, I'm still, why the heck did I say that? That was so stupid. I missed an opportunity that God opened an easy door for 
So what do you want? What do we want as a church? Are we satisfied with where we are at in our walks with God? And how much more could we be doing if we really and truly trusted in the God who is the God of gods? Verse 19 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Rakshak and Beni. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks and tunics, their hats and their other garments, so they suited up. They were thrown into the uh, burning, fiery furnace because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took the three of them up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound in the burning, fiery furnace. Verse 24 says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants, this is Nebs. This is the same guy, okay? A few verses earlier. Servants of the Most High God, come out here, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps and the prefects of the, gov- uh, the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads were not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire came upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of these three, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him, and set aside the king's command, yet yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree, and people, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. Still that same thread. And their house is laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. So there's a couple of great stories here. We have the story of these three guys that do not even waver one bit to compromise their faith. You want to throw us in the fire? No problem, go ahead and do it. A, God's going to save us, or B, we're going to go down with worshiping the God that we say is the God of gods. So they give Nebuchadnezzar no outs here. But God again shows up. They get put in this fiery situation, whether it's your work, your home, your marriage, your school, whatever it is, whatever fiery furnace you are in, God will show up. I was in a situation a year and a bit ago where I was in a fiery furnace and for some reason I either God was standing right in front of me and I either forgot he could be there or I didn't believe it was him. Like when Jesus showed himself for the first time to the disciples after he came out of the tomb. Can't be you. Somehow I missed it. I missed this whole thing. The other amazing story is that we see King Nebuchadnezzar and even later on in the few chapters him and his son who eventually takes over these guys who are full of pride, 
we see that the truth of the God of gods has been presented to Nebuchadnezzar, and for this time, he says, I actually can't deny this one. And now he makes this decree that says, this is actually the God of gods, and anyone else who serves another God, that, you know, like the ones that I gave you to serve, okay, you're going to be torn in the front. You're going to die. And his heart has changed. So one of the themes that we see at the end of the, the, the video and what we see through the, the, the chapters where Daniel has these visions is the story of hope. Now, when we think of the gospel, I, I would, and, and Doug came up, you know, earlier and said, who is the one of the 99? How many of us have that one person out of the 99 that says, they're never going to get saved? So why am I going to waste my time? God is sovereign. God picks. God chooses. He's not one of them. We make that decision for God. We say that's the one. Now, when I've, I've read this story, I don't know how many times, and I don't know why this is the first time I actually realized that Nebuchadnezzar turned his heart. I don't know why I may not have thought that before. Maybe because I read the, watched the VeggieTales version too many times. I don't know. <laughs> but it is a point, it is a, certainly a point where we look and say we can't write people off. Because God is sovereign and we're not. Okay? God is sovereign and we're not. But back to the story here. Guys, I was in this fiery furnace a year ago. A year and a bit ago. Last week, to continue my story, I got called into a meeting with my boss. I've had four bosses in the last two years. My new boss, who is great. <clears throat> so Justin, um, got some news to share with you. So we were, we were bought by a company two years ago. We have not been doing well for the last two years since we were bought. He says, um, we're selling off three quarters of, this, of the business and we're going to focus on one. Now, I am one of the remnants, I guess I'm one of the remnants left at the company. He says, uh, we're transitioning. It means we're going to have to lay off a lot of people. But I need you to be one of the guys that sticks around to help me with the change. And it, it's going to require much for me to do it. So first of all, I'm like, okay, here we go again. And for some reason, I'm going to get put in this position of responsibility that I'm probably really not qualified for. But you trust me. And this time around, I didn't have the same type of fear or reaction that I had last before. Whether it goes wrong or not, I actually don't have a sense of fear in this, whether I fail or not, or whether something happens or changes or not. And the only thing I can really attribute this to is because I went through a fiery furnace before where I didn't think God was there, but the reality was he was there the whole time, and I needed my eyes to be opened and I needed to have just a change in my heart to recognize that I needed to have a radical faith like these guys that says not only do I have faith in the God of gods and do I serve the God of gods, but I need to be more diligent, diligent in being faithful back to him. So what does that look like? Really a turning point for me in help was SJT. Seeing Jesus together, it created a rhythm in my life that I was spending time on the Word every day, but not as a duty and not as a way or a means where I needed to learn more. I just needed to spend time with Jesus on a one-to-one -one basis. So guys, I'm just telling you, like if you're not a part of, if you're a part of this church and you're not doing it yet, I just want to encourage you guys. You need to, you need to jump in. 
you need to jump in because it's good. It will help. And it will, when we have our times of meeting, when, we, when you do your group meetings, or even when you do your community group meetings, I mean, it's just going to make your time so much more rich. And I'm telling you, iron sharpens iron. You guys, it will help out. But I found this crack in the armor, and I believe I am continuously working with God through the Holy Spirit to help eliminate these cracks that I allow to creep in for whatever reason. I, I, don't, I don't know really the reason why this all happened. I don't have all the answers for you, but to say that the more time I spend with God, quality, when I say that I mean quality time with God where there's no agenda other than spending time in the Word to get to know Him better, He knows me great. He knows, my, he knows everything. He knows you, I'm telling you. So He doesn't need to know you more, but we need to know Him more. And I just feel like as we are getting into this new season where we're looking to find a new rhythm, like we've had two years where we were completely disconnected from each other. We've come back in, what was it, May, when we started gathering here at a 5.30 service, which is completely inconvenient for many people. But I needed this. And for two months when I was away at baseball, it was not easy. Because that's, this is my connection point. This is, like, this is my family. And on top of that, you know, community groups are sort of you know, slow down, taking a break. So like, my, like, the fire is back. It's like, yeah, let's get this going. But I feel like there's an opportunity for us to respond because I think there are people in here that might be going to your own fiery furnace. And one of the things that we've committed to as a leadership is that we want to make these times where we get together on Sundays. This, this is going to happen during the week if you're a part of a community group. But we want to make our times when we gather on Sundays to be a bit more rich where we can come and surround each other and we can help shoulder some of the load. And that means praying with you, spending time and hearing what's going on because we don't get to see each other all the time as corporately like this unless we get together like this because our community groups are much smaller. But we, we want to be able to take, a, take something, a message. And again, I know I kind of probably rushed through this, um, but I think there's something rich we can pull from this and we can say that you, somebody in here might be going through a fiery furnace of your own, whatever it looks like. It doesn't matter what it is. But I promise and I want to make sure that you understand that you are not alone in there. I know it sounds cliche, but guys, this is the word of God. Okay? And I, I, I want to share one thing um, with you guys. We shared it this morning in our group as well. Doug and I were kind of on the same page. It's good when those kind of things happen. But uh, for those of us in the SJT, we've been going through the books of Deuteronomy and Revelation over the last little bit. And there's something that really stuck out to me that I've held on to for whenever we, we read it, which is, I can't remember the date, some time ago. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 3, and I want you to go to it, if you could. We're going to go to verse 22, but I want, you know, again, to give some context, again, as, you know, God has taken the, people, the children of Israel, and he's saying, look, I'm ta- I want to take you to the promised land even though you're completely disobedient all the way through. Right? That's just the theme of, the theme of our lives. Let's just say that's the way it is. But God is giving them some instruction here, saying, don't worry, I'm going to send you to these places that are really, really scary, but I will take you through it. So don't worry, I am going to go before you guys, and I'm going to take care of it. Actually, I'm going to start at verse 21. Okay? Deuteronomy 3, 21 says, and I commanded Joshua at that time, your eyes, have seen all, your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. 
this doesn't even include everything I've done from the time that of Genesis to where we are. Like, through everything. He's not even reminding him of that. He's talking about this particular one. You've seen what I've done to these two kings. So will the Lord do to all of the kingdoms into which you are crossing. Because to get to where they're going, it was, they had to get through some stuff. And there were some scary places. Verse 22 says, You shall not fear them, for it is the Lord God who fights for you. If I'd known that a year and a half ago, I could have saved a lot of this. This isn't new. This isn't a new revelation, but sometimes we need a revelation to be revealed to us again. You shall not fear them, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. Who better? Who better to fight for you than the God of gods? So Daniel does show us a lot of things. It shows us... This message of hope through the, the revelation of these dreams and visions that Daniel has about the coming king. And it doesn't happen in Daniel's lifetime, obviously, but we see these three guys and we see this guy named Daniel, these four young guys. And I don't think, I don't think it's their youth, right? Because we can look around this room and we range from young to not as young, right? And we've all been through stuff. Sometimes our youth is an advantage. It can be an advantage to you. I get it. But I don't think it's their youth. It is their trust in the God of gods who is their living God. And I just want to be in a place, guys, where I can confidently say that so that when trials and tribulations come which are promised to us, I can look and say, it's fine. Bring the fire. Bring the rain. My God, I trust in my God who will take me through that. And if I die in there, I don't care. I'm not compromising anything for it. And I just think, man, if I could be like those guys, and this is not the selfish part. This is the part where we look at the bigger picture in the kingdom of God and the global church. What could we do for the kingdom of God if we actually seed God that way, if we saw God that way, and we trusted God that way? Can we just stand, guys? Brian, can you come up and strum a bit? I'm just going to ask Brian to play. I'm going to ask you guys to just close your eyes for a minute. Just want you to focus on Jesus. Whatever that looks like for you. You know, closing your eyes and bowing your heads doesn't make it more spiritual. It just makes it a bit easier to focus. Right, that's, that's, that's the reality of it. So, Whichever way, and maybe you've never done this before, I'm just, we serve this God who is the God of gods. We can, I can confidently say that I believe that. I don't always live that out, but I, I'm saying that right now because we read these stories through the Bible where he is the God of gods and he has saved me. And he has the power to save you too if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And he loves you and he cares for you and he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. He paid for your sin so that you 
wouldn't have to because you can't afford it? And some of you have been through the furnace. Some of you were in the furnace. Dean, bro, you've been you've been through the furnace. Look what God has done, man. Some of you guys have been in it. And some of you you might be in it now. And I just want to let you guys encourage you. If you're there right now, we want to just take some time and stand with you and pray for you. So I'm going to ask that if you are a leader in this church, a community group leader or a leader, you know who you are. I'm just going to ask you guys to get ready because if there is, um, we just want to have all hands on deck. And if you are here today and you are going through a fire and you need somebody to stand with you, I promise you Jesus is there with you. But Rockshock and Benny each had a bud there with them too. They, they didn't do it alone. They had some friends with them. And we need to have some friends with us too, and that's what we're about here. If you're in a situation right now where you just say, man, I'm, I'm in a fiery furnace and I feel like I'm all alone, I'm just going to ask that you quickly put up your hand and we're going to make sure that we get some people to come and pray around you. So if that's you, I'll give you an opportunity to think about that and do that. I, I really don't want you to feel um, embarrassed. Um, again, I've tried to be as vulnerable as I possibly can with you in sharing some of my journey with you, and that's not always easy. Um, but when God is at the center of that, I'm okay with it because I trust the people in this room that I know. I believe that we're in a, we are in a safe place. Is there anybody today and you say, look, you, I just need you to pray for me. Anyone else? And it doesn't mean that you need to go and share all of the details about what's going on in your life. That's not what this is about. Okay? This is just about us coming alongside of you and if there's something specific we can pray with you for, we'll leave it to you guys to do that. I see a couple of hands. Is there anybody else? Let's do this. Let's, let's all be um, participants in what's going on here, if you're comfortable doing so. If you could leave, for those of you, if you're okay with it, leave your head up just for a second. And like we sort of did, uh, not last week, but the week before, um, I'm just going to ask if you are around um, these brothers and sisters to come around and just maybe come around them and, and we can begin to pray. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to let Brian sort of play in the background. Uh, while we're doing this, I'm done speaking, so you know we can um, we can cut things off from here if if you want. That's fine. But let's just take a moment, and then I'm, I'm bro, I don't know if you got a song lined up or anything after, but I'm just gonna pray quickly. Um, thank you guys for listening. I hope it was helpful for somebody. Um, but Father, we just uh, man, we love you. Because you are so, so good to us. Why, I don't know. But I know it doesn't matter because I don't want to let my pride as to why there needs to be a reason get in the way of how good you are. 
So Father, would you just meet us today? Would you do something significant in our hearts? Father, for anyone who is here that is far from you, Father, we just surrender this time. We surrender our lives. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come in and do something significant in our hearts. Father, will you just reassure us by your spirit that you're in the fire with us? And would you reassure us again that we are not alone and that you have placed us in a, 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 a family that brings people alongside us to help carry that with us? So Father, we love you because you loved us first. And we are so indebted to you. Would you help us and teach us to be faithful to you to not waver, to not compromise, to look for every open door of opportunity, God, to share the mysteries of Christ. And God, would you show us any cracks in the armor that we may have that would allow fear or anxiety or anything else that is not of you to creep in and overtake us because we've not surrendered it to you? Would you do that for us now, God? I'm just asking. And I don't think I'm asking anything outside of your will. I think you want to do something, God. So, Lord, we just trust you. And, Lord, as we just take this time as we pray for our friends and as we spend just a a little bit of time just to worship and to praise you, God, we just thank you and give you all of the honor and all of the glory and all of the praise. In your name, God, amen. You are free to go if if you need to go. I know some of you will need to grab your kids, but if you want to stick around just for a minute while we... Just worship for a moment. Um, We'll let you guys do that whenever you guys need to.